to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabres podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me is my co-host, Drew Brett. How you doing, Brandon? I am. I'm here. I'm 20 minutes late, but I'm here. So it's fine. <laughs> and that other you eventually voice, grace us with our presence, you know, when it's convenient for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That other voice you hear is, of course, our newest co-host. She is cooler than Chewbacca wearing Krennic's cape on a bicycle. Because, why not? It's Lindsay. Well, I don't know if anything is cooler than that, but I certainly... I'll I'll put in my best effort. (laughs) So, on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be discussing our three main protagonists, uh, Anakin, Luke, and Rey. Uh, and discussing kind of their past, what they have in common, where they separate. Um, there may or may not be charts involved. I'm not sure. I'm just along for the ride. We'll find out. But Woo. we always start with a very, very important question. What are you Star Warsing? So, Drew, why don't you start this time? What are you Star Warsing? Oh, okay. Um, well, I, we got back last weekend from a week-long trip to Florida. We spent a couple days in Disney. Um, so I've I've seen what exists for the Disney world star Wars stuff. They have a couple small things, but we've got some glimpses of the construction going on for galaxy's edge, which is pretty neat guys. It's massive. Um, it's, it's gigantic. It's probably the size of half of magic kingdom from what it looks like. Again, you can't see much. You can see kind of over some of the walls and through some of the uh, gates and whatnot, but man, it's going to be crazy big when it's finally released or, or uh, opened up rather in, in just a few months, isn't it? It's like August something, I think. Yeah, we're getting there. It's the end of August for Florida. And Lindsay, don't you already have like travel plans booked for it already? I do. They are shaping up nicely for the <laughs> end of September and then again in December. Now, I got conflicting reports because I, one of the cast members at Disney said that people will be allowed to dress in costume as long as they don't have a mask on. Um, I think we had Ooh. talked in one of our previous episodes where only kids were going to be dressed up or allowed to be dressed up. But I think that everyone's going to be able to go in costume, which is kind of neat. That's pretty That cool. is. I like that. Yeah, because I remember yeah. we said that maybe if you buy the costumes they have there that you could, you know, go and change or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be really cool to see like the cosplayers in there and see how the the actors uh, or the the cast members interact with them. Yeah, the other thing I don't I don't know if we talked about or mentioned before, but there's going to be a new like hotel that's opened up that's just a, an immersive Star Wars experience where you stay for days at a time and it's kind of a never break character kind of thing. I don't know if we went over that uh, when we talked about the park a few weeks ago. But it's it's definitely shaping up to be one of the craziest kind of like LARP esque situations you could possibly get into. But with the reservation system that they've kind of they've only given us brief details about, I'm really kind of concerned about the level of population around it and how uh, how easily people are going to be able to get in at the times that they want to be able to go. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons like. 
I am thinking I'm probably going to wait a couple years and just kind of get, you know, people putting out there like some tips and tricks and things to, to make your, your visit more enjoyable. Um, and to, you know, ask people like Lindsay who get to go like three or four times before I'm even going to be able to consider (laughs) traveling. Um, you know, and kind of figure that out because I do want it to be, you know, a good experience because like I've said, I'll probably only be able to go once or twice. And when I go, I do want to be able to do the the hotel and the, and the whole shebang and really enjoy the experience. So yeah. I guess it's one of those things like, it's like a lot of Star Wars right now. It's a wait and see, you know, we have the Mandalorian, we have Cassian, we have episode nine, all this stuff that we're like, it's really exciting, I think think i don't yeah. know anything about it though yeah there's a lot of stuff that's kind of in development and that we don't have nearly the kind of information that we would want i mean celebration is days away and we don't have a name for episode nine we don't have any footage of any kind they're really kind of changing the the um, the information flow i feel like even for when the prequels came out in the early aughts that we had a lot more information ahead of time than this yeah. it feels like to me no we definitely did because i remember for um celebration orlando two years ago they had released the name the last jedi long before celebration because they wanted everyone to be able to pre-order the shirts that said the last oh. jedi to be able to wear pretty much the first day of the event so i remember getting my the last Jedi gear even before celebration. And now we're going into it totally blind. Yeah. This is weird. A, a weird sort of feeling. I, I, I don't really know what to do with all of that, but the, the stuff that they had at Disney was really cool. They have a, a very neat, um, one of the areas has a, uh, props area where they kind of show you the different props. They have models of the ships. They had one cool section. I'm, I'm looking through some of the pictures that we took. There's a, 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 a section for helmets, um, and it's got, let me see if I can get the names of these. It's got Luke's X-Wing helmet next to Sabine's Mandalorian, next to Wedge Antilles helmet, which is really cool. And then Poe Dameron's next to that. So <laughs> it's kind of an odd combination of individuals to have Wedge thrown in the middle of that. But I'm happy that the hero of the rebellion got some kind of notice. <laughs> hey, what about Porkins? Uh, well, you know, he he thought he was all right, but he couldn't pull out of time. So <laughs> hey, according to scrape Wedge, that off the according off to Wedge, Porkins uh, is quite the hero. I'm I'm sure he was. You know, I'm, you know all uh, all gave some and some gave all. Brandon, okay. <laughs> I'm reading the the Rogue Squadron book, which is it's funny because like we recorded really, yeah, we recorded. Wait, our, which? I'm the first which, one. The first one. Oh, like the no- the Legends yeah. novels? Yeah, yeah. The, I am so proud of you. <laughs> so here's the thing. Fode sent it to me because he's a big God fan. God bless of that man. And uh, he was super excited about it and, and, and everything. And so I started digging into it. And I'm not going to lie. When we recorded our Queen Shadow episode on – or not Queen Shadow, Phasma episode on Wednesday, I literally have the quote like, I'm just not really that into it. Well, I went to go read it that night, and they hooked me, and now I'm really into it. <laughs> oh, they're so much fun! So I, we'll but you're so releasing the episode for Fast, right? Um, <laughs> no, but you know what's funny is like I was I, I read Wedge in that, and I'm like, I get why Drew, I get why Drew likes him. I, yeah, I, that was kind of like my prime 
storyline that got me hooked into the the whole expanded universe canon. I'm like, not a that, I'm not a fan so of Cornhorn though. Of who? Corn? Whoa! Wait a minute. Did you say you're not a fan of Cornhorn? I'm corn not horn? a fan of Cornhorn. Give it, give it time, my friend. Give it time. I mean, I'm one book in, so. I yeah, mean, what did what did we learn on Wednesday then about, <laughs> <laughs> about making names on a recording for something we haven't finished yet, Brandon? That's why oh, I said oh. I'm only one book in. There's plenty <laughs> more to come. Oh, guys, I'm so excited. So, I know I talk about half price books a lot, but I go there probably way more than ah. is healthy. But there is a half price bookstore about 30, 40 minutes from here that is having a $2 everything sale this weekend. Wow. So I'm going to have I'll price send you books. that is exciting. I'm gonna send you my list. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm not even gonna see what they are. I'm just gonna buy all the Star Wars books. Just, I don't, oh, don't think that's unreasonable. Every single no. one of them. I think it would be weird if you didn't. I do also think that you go there often enough that at this point it's just by math. It's just full price books. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I am keeping them in business. So that's probably why they're like, oh, we can sell books for $2. Brandon will come get them. That's really not bad because even on Amazon, I used to buy them when they were like the penny books and they were still three ninety nine for shipping. Yeah. So it was still $4 for a book, but you could get anything that you wanted. So I got most of the uh, New Jedi Order series that way. I filled in that like 19 book series doing it that way. But two bucks a pop, man. If you find the paperbacks for the – what's the one after Jason Turns to the Dark Side called? Legacy of the Jedi, I think. I have no idea. But I'll send pictures. So. I'll send so much work to do. Just if you see anything with that Star Wars logo, just get it. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the plan. I got buy paid. it first and sort out details yeah. about who it should do be it shipped su- to later. <laughs> do it supermarket sweep style. Oh yeah, we just <laughs> just t- dig your whole arm in there. <laughs> yes. Pushing little kids out the way. They'll learn next time. Hey, yeah. we serve some right. Trying to get books. Exactly. <laughs> Children. What do they think Star Wars is for kids? <laughs> God. We're not true fans. Children are the worst. <laughs> Lindsay, what are you Star Warsing? I have been doing some really nice trips down memory lane. Uh, just in terms of right now, I'm packing for a celebration. So I'm kind of like, okay, what do I want to get signed? What do I want to bring just in case, like, you know, I can see this person? So I've been going through and digging out like all these old books and old things that I still have in boxes. So it's just turned into oh, one really yeah. long emotional trip down memory lane that's totally normal for a grown woman <laughs> to have over a movie made for eight year olds. But here we are. Excuse you, twelve year olds. Silly me. Gosh. What what do you have your sights set on like who who's your first person to go get an autograph from? Uh, so I already have purchased, I did a few, um, autograph and photo op purchases for Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, uh, Tia Sircar, Matt Lanter, and oh, yeah. I thought there was one other. I gotta check. But other than that, I mean, you guys know how much I love the book. So I pretty much just threw all my books in a suitcase. And I, was like, <laughs> I, will, I will carry each one of these around every day until I find the author. She's going to pay the That's extra fantastic. money for the the extra charge on the plane for the books. Just a whole <laughs> extra suitcase. It's going to be great. Just buy it a <laughs> ticket and put it in the chair. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Lindsay, by the way, did you see the new Her Universe stuff that's coming out? Oh, I sure did. I, I will be on that line as soon as I walk through that door. Uh, I'm just saying I will pay you back for those Ahsoka jackets. Like Noted. Like both of them. I don't even care. I will wear them both every day. They're great. I'm going to get hot wearing two jackets in Texas. You know what? <laughs> it, it's fine. I mean, I'll survive. It's fashion. I understand. Yes. Some of us. When I think, Brandon, I think trendsetter. <laughs> you know, that's what I think of myself, too. My students tend to have other opinions. <laughs> but, hey, it's okay. It's all what a do they know? certain point of view, you know? Oh, dear. <laughs> so uh on not our last episode um but on the episode before that when we talked about galaxy's edge i talked about half price books and uh not a sponsor i got the star wars trivia Yet. book and so i wanted to bring in some more trivia uh to the show so here's a question for you guys what was the total number of months George Lucas spent on the original Star Wars script? Two. That was quick. 36. <laughs> Are we doing Months, Price is not right hours. again? <laughs> Months, not hours. Not the Phantom Menace, A New Hope. Oh, 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 okay. Sorry, sorry. Uh, are, are we Two. doing Price is Right rules? Uh, yeah, that's how we play these games. Okay, I'm just making sure. Then Drew wins. Boom. Tell me it was like 34. It was 30. No! Yes. Oh! Drats. 30 months? 30 months. Man spent two and a half years on that script? But I'm going to call I mean, work, what's the definition of the word work as used in that sentence? Like, what's the defining qualities thereof? Well, and how many drafts did it go through? It went through I was going to, yeah. Figure he had to do, like, the treatment. He out, he had to outline everything. Because I, I know he start did a so star killer or whatever outlines. his name is. Yeah. And the, the whole journal of the wills. Oh, yeah. All right. You still won. <laughs> only Drew, only you would win and then still try and argue it. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, <laughs> I mean but it, he did go through a lot of iterations of it because some of that. Oh, man, just reading and, and hearing some of the stuff that was in some of those original drafts. Oh, it's bonkers. It's so insane. And there's some out there things. <sighs> There, there's a uh, sick part of me that wants to see those movies. They did a, a comic of one of them. Um, they did a comic of like the first draft of, of A New Hope where Han Solo is a lizard man and all oh, that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I wonder if that's... I, I, I'm not going to ever read that nonsense, but Brandon, you might enjoy it. Probably. It sounds <laughs> about my, my kind of thing. Yeah, that should be what we do for one episode. We just each pick what we would have kept from the original script. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Darth Maul. Oh, geez. Mace Windu. Ah, they're actually in yes. the original script. Actually the name, I think, was a planet. I think at some point. Really? Yeah. Lucas, oh, no, no, no. Lucas. Mace was a person. I think Windu was a planet. Is that what it was? Yeah, Lucas had this large just bag of names he would continually pull out of like 
40 years. So a lot of the names from the prequel trilogy existed in his mind back in the 70s, but just never had a home. And then most of the characters from, well, most of the names in the prequel trilogy used to be characters in the original uh, A New Hope and whatnot. Hmm. I think it's really impressive that he was able to do it in the 70s because right now, most people could probably do that just by being like, what does autocorrect think I'm trying to say? <laughs> uh, or one of those, uh, have you guys ever done any of those Star Wars name generators? Where you, oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Around? It never yeah. ends well for me. <laughs> well, that's how Childish Gambino got his name. He was doing a uh, Wu-Tang Clan name generator online. Oh. What? Yeah. Yeah, Donald Glover goes by the name Childish Gambino because of a Wu-Tang Clan name name generator. Well, at least it didn't give him the Foo Fighters or something. That could have been bad. <laughs> I didn't think I could He's like a- him more, but now I do. <laughs> that's exactly the kind of thing I would do. Is a Wu Tang Clan name generator. That sounds. All right, you guys ready for this? Is this is a much more important piece of trivia? <laughs> you ready? Yes. All give right. us more things to argue about. True or false? Ooh. Switching the game up. In episodes four through six, C three PO is never shown walking up or down stairs. True, True. or false? True. True. Stick it in a claim. No, you can't have true. You got to be false now. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's beat you to it. Rock, paper, scissors for it. Oh, dang it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you tell me what you did first, then I'll tell you what I did. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on the trust. It's true. I don't. Is it? Yeah. Because couldn't he, like, Anthony Daniels couldn't bend at the knees, could he? Yeah. In that suit? He couldn't do any vertical movement. That's what it says on here. The editors had to cut around stair sequences to make it look like C-3PO had climbed them. Which shows you how far (sighs) Star Wars has come, because now we have BB-8 going downstairs. Okay, guys? How many sequences are there with stairs in it in the classic trilogy? I can think of one off the top of my head. Um, There is A New Hope when he goes into the little uh, kitchen porch... Yeah, on the moisture farm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's. They walk down. Lando and Han walk down some stairs. Right when you say like, "Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right." Yeah. Okay. Trying to think of I uh, I stand corrected. Jabba's palace has stairs. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. The three guys barely in that. Well, yeah, he's in the audience chamber, and then he's behind Jabba for a while. I mean, you'd think they could just let Anthony Daniels wear a pair of jeans and just wear the top half of the suit and film him from the waist up or something. No, you got to be in character, man. Dude, it's Anthony Daniels. <laughs> Anthony Daniels is his character, and C-3PO is what it says on his driver's license. It really is. Oh, <laughs> I man. Believe it. I, I Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, do we have anything else to talk about before we dig into the... It's it's kind of slow before celebration. There's not really much Star Wars going on. We're not going to talk about how Ryan Johnson made a public announcement that says he's still working on his next Star Wars movie. You mean the thing where he never said he wasn't, and no one ever said he wasn't actually doing a Star Wars movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. I love Twitter. Twitter's great. <laughs> I've Twitter tried to factual. I've tried to swear off Twitter until we at least get the name and the trailer release because there's some information floating around there that if you're trying to avoid spoiler images and leaks and descriptions are floating around pretty freely and it's a little scary. 
I so be, be ye forewarned. Yeah. After the poster leak, which I want to let, let's circle back around to that in a second here. But after that, I muted like episode nine, like everything I could think of to do with episode nine is muted now. So hopefully I'll oh. be able to avoid pretty much everything. Next weekend, I probably won't be on Twitter too much, just to be careful. Yeah, it's going to be real dangerous until, like, you know, the 12 o'clock panel they have on day one. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so let's go back to the poster. So if you're, uh, if you're completely staying out of spoilers or anything like that and, and you don't want to hear about this, uh, I'll put the, the timestamp in the episode where to skip to. But do we think it's real? I don't. Okay. Well, I don't, Drew? I don't know. Um, I I did one of those things like when you're a little kid and you see like, you know, a scene from a rated R movie you're not supposed to see where you, your brain doesn't re- recognize what it is. But as soon as you do, you put your hands over your eyes. That's kind of what happened <laughs> when I when I saw the, the thing. I was like, what the heck is? Oh, no, don't look at that. Bad, bad. Um. I don't know. It looks awfully convenient and certainly could be accurate, which might not be great. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, C-3PO is carrying a bowcaster. Uh, don't say things. People are don't want to say things. Okay. I said I'm going to put the timestamp in there. I know, but if you say things, it makes it come true, and it's just bad, and we shouldn't encourage. It's just bad, wrong, and bad. There's just. I don't understand why people have to circulate this kind of stuff. Like, why can't we not just wait a few more days and 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 preserve kind of people's people's wishes? Seriously, like people are trying to have like ways in which they want to come into the movies with clean ideas and without their you know preconceived notions being too highly established and whatnot brandon you're not even planning to watch the trailer are you no and Lindsay and i were actually talking about the episode nine panel the other day i might not even watch that honestly because i i don't think you should if you're yeah. planning on yeah, trying to avoid shouldn't. that much if you, you want to really go shouldn't. on blind yeah so i'll uh i'll probably wait on you for you guys to text me what the name of of the movie is or i'll just find out when i go I don't, whatever <laughs> whatever works <laughs> See what's printed on the ticket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Episode nine, the bow. Yes. I'll, take, I'll take two to the new science fiction motion picture being released this weekend. Thank you very much. Just, the, just point. Yes. The I would like to go to the talkie with the That's spaceships one. and the pew pews. Can I can I have two tickets to that, please? And a little vroom vroom. A little vroom vroom. May I have the twelve oh four a.m. showing, please? Speaking of okay, hold one. on. Speaking of episode nine. <laughs> I made a bad life choice, and I rewatched uh, Justice League the other day. Oh lord! Uh-oh. Now I have a, I have a question before you get too far. Is the bad choice that you watched it the first time, or the f- bad choice was you watched it again, knowing what it was like? I watched it again. You poor thing. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I couldn't possibly have disliked it as much as I thought I disliked <laughs> it. Ow. So, Drew, you would be proud of us. We've been going to our public library. Yay! And so we rented it from there, I guess. Borrowed it, whatever you want to say. And here's the thing. It's bad. I'm not going to say it's not bad. (laughs) But I feel like the the bad part of it is not the writing. It's the execution. 
And I think that's important because Chris Terrio helped write uh, Justice League. And he helped write The Cursed Child, uh, Harry Potter, The Cursed Child. Two things that are... Careful. Not, not as well received as maybe the studios would have liked them to be. Personally, I'm kind of indifferent on Cursed Child. I hear it's very, very different when you, you go see it. So, you know, I withhold judgment on that. But to me, it was it was really it was the execution. It was the battle scenes. It was the the camera work. Just all of that was the big issue with Justice League. Not so much the writing um, mm. of the characters. The dialogue seemed pretty natural. Wonder Woman wasn't great. Uh, you know, after seeing her in Wonder Woman and knowing what Gal Gadot could do. But overall, I was like okay, at least if I don't think that movie being the garbage pile that it is is at the feet of Chris Terrio. Like, I think some Star Wars fans were making it once he, he got brought on board. So, anyways, I think we're going to be fine with Episode Nine, even if this poster is the real deal. I mean, that's generous of you, but I hope that <laughs> if if there ever is a time in your life where you think... I should watch Justice League for a third time. Call for help. I mean, my my advice to you is find something that you can vacuum or do the dishes. There's there's lots of other things you can do that's better than that. Stab yourself in the hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah get creative. Have a have a day. Have a day. Have a day. Have a day of vacuuming <laughs> and doing dishes yeah. and stabbing yourself in the hand. You know, like like any normal American would. Yeah, and if you still have that urge, stab the other hand. <laughs> and then I won't be able to put the DVD in. It's it's preservation, self-preservation at that point. See, it's really, we're here to help you. This is the kind of therapy I come for, guys. <laughs> That's oh, just I you know. wait. Oh, God. All right, I guess we can't hold back anymore. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Ray and Luke and Anakin. <laughs> with charts. <laughs> a topic that will surely get everyone to get along. No, you're coming with me. I'll not leave you here. I've got to save you. You're already All right, and we're back, and as I mentioned before the break, we're talking about our main protagonist in our trilogy of trilogies, that is The War of the Stars, and I wanted to kind of start with this question, and I, and I am intentionally starting this with this question because Drew said he doesn't have anything uh, about this on his chart. Let's go through all three of the characters and answer this question. How would you define the character? And since I'm kind of being cheap, I'll start. I think that Anakin, if you look at the three of them together, Anakin is the death, Luke is the rebirth, and Rey is the legacy, which I think is... Uh, kind of like a an ebb and flow life cycle kind of thing right you know we we're born we die something else is reborn 
And then, you know, the, the legacy carries on through families, through generations, through how we interact with other people. And I think if you look at the, the larger story, you, you see that. You see these ripple effects of how these characters have affected each other. So, Drew, where do you come down on Anakin and Luke and Rey? Oh, man. Um, can I cash in my one pivot to Lindsay? At this moment, so I can hear her thoughts first. <laughs> Early. I know. All right. You used it. I just want you to know. All right, Lindsay, go for it. So for me, it I like the way you think of it, Brandon, where they do tie in together. For me, they're so different and they're on such different paths and for different reasons that I have very, I don't want to say opposite definitions for each of them. But when I think about what really does define them and what at this point makes them heroic to me Anakin is the idealistic one and he has this idea of what the galaxy should be what he should be as a person as a Jedi and what everyone around him should be so he has a really idealistic sense to him whereas Luke I would say he's kind of in it at least for a while just to be adventurous and he wants something more exciting and he wants to be, he wants to be the hero of the story and even of the rebellion whereas ray i love her to death and she's arguably my favorite of the three but i would define her at this point at least as just confused mm yeah yeah i can see that and i think i think one of the things that's important to keep in mind is each of the characters' motivations. You know, a- Anakin is motivated at first by wanting to go off on that adventure and escape slavery and come back and do do good, but then eventually, you know, it, it comes down to Padme, Padme, Padme. And, uh, but when you look at Luke, his motivation never really changes. It just has a whole lot of other stuff added onto it. He He wants to go off on adventures because he wants to become like his father um and he wants to become a jedi to be like his father and everything comes down to his father i I actually use luke in as a a particular example for a character motivation when i'm teaching character motivation because there is so much other stuff going on around him so much stuff that's more exciting and, and adventurous but at the core of it it's all about his connection with his father um Whereas Ray, like you mentioned, is a little more confused because she she wants that relationship with her parents. But as Maz kind of points out to her, she, she knows the truth. And, and Kylo points that out to her, too. She knows what the truth is. And so it's not that she wants to be like them or wants to have a relationship with them. It's that she can't quite admit to herself that she needs to move on from them. Yeah, and I like that, at least for now. Um, I personally think that we do know who her parents are and they are in anyone, but there's still that discrepancy there between fans. I really like that we sacrifice the dramatic irony in the story of we totally understand Ray and even Kylo Ren, and we absolutely understand where they're coming from and what their motivations are. And instead we get to 
really think about it and figure it out along with them. Yeah, that's one of the things about the sequel trilogy is it's a much more internal journey. And we talked about, uh, as we were prepping for the show, whether we were really going to dig into the hero and heroine's journey. Um, and we kind of came down on one, we need to do some more research on the heroine's journey. Um, because I know myself in particular, I'm not too familiar with that. But I do know it's a, a much more internal journey. And so we do need to see what happens to Ray in episode nine. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting, too, not to, to go off on Kylo Ren, but his is almost more of a heroine's journey, too. You know, even though he's male, it's a, it's a much more internal thing for him uh, also that he's fighting. So it's interesting that they've kind of shifted the, the narrative in that direction. All right, Drew, you can't avoid it anymore. Hmm... I mean, if we're, if we're talking about how do you define each character here, this particular first question, again, we have a, a number of kind of questions and discussion points and approaches to all three characters and how they might relate to one another or not um, in trying to get a better understanding of them and how they, they all work together. Um, you know, I really don't know that I have a lot of uh, a good way to define these characters other than just what you see is what you get. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's how films and whatnot work. Um, I think Luke's character definition occurs uh, basically entirely within the context of A New Hope, which is fine. He's basically playing the role of Arthur. You know, he's he's the young orphaned boy who's plucked from obscurity when the mythical weapon is handed to him by some other mythical figure, and he uses that new insight and power and knowledge to go forth and slay the dragon. I mean, that's what he does, and that's fine. So I think he, Luke serves that kind of role as the Arthur figurehead, um, which is intended for the audience to, to show that, hey, you feel like you're a nobody. You feel like you're from nothing. You, too, have the chance to overcome those kind of confines with your, your own personal life and existence and aspire to be something bigger and greater than what you are today. That's what I think Luke defines for us. Ray, if we can relate Ray to that story at all, I feel like Ray is plays the Lancelot role, where Lancelot comes alongside Arthur later on in the story, but really kind of upends and changes the way Arthur ends his own particular life. You know, things go horribly awry in the Arthur mythology because of what Lancelot does. And I like that kind of idea because Ray does the same thing. Ray tries to get Luke out of his funk. Um, and I don't know if you, if you would say he, she's successful or not. Maybe he, maybe in some way she is in some way she's not certainly not in the way in which she intended to be. Um, but she's the inheritor to the throne, the throne. Um, I mean, the last Jedi makes it abundantly clear. She, Luke says it out loud and, we see it with our eyes and are given the opportunity to connect the two together in that kind of relationship. But sticking with that theme breaks down when you get to Anakin, because he has no attachment to that kind of story. Um, we don't have that same kind of analogous figure in the same kind of mythology to associate Anakin to Luke. Can so I make a suggestion kind of to get you there? Sure. What if he is Excalibur itself? Well, Okay. Uh, I'm going to make you defend that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is, at least up until Revenge of the Sith, really, you know, he's obviously the chosen one. 
but he kind of unlocked all of these things that the force needed. And he could have been, you know, the real pure of heart hero who constantly put himself aside for other people. He just so happened to really stick himself in the stone and get stuck there until Luke comes and pulls him out. And, you know, when he, you know, Luke becomes Arthur and he pulls the sword from the stone and picks up that mantle, he's really refreeing Anakin for a while. Okay, I can I can see that because you, you kind of go towards Brandon's favorite part of Return of the Jedi where Luke stands up and takes on, you know, says, I am a Jedi like my father before me. What? And he's really what are you talking. About? I don't even that. Hey, it's this movie. It's this movie. It's real cool. You'd like it. Huh. You should go watch it. Yeah, I'll have to check um, that out sometime. Never. I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. I never really thought about assigning the role of Excalibur, because I may have to go back and reconsider how the sword is actually used. Because to me, it's always, the sword has always kind of served as that, that handing down, that passing on the totem. Um, from father to son, you know, if you, if we're going to go with our Aaron Sorkin West Wing fandom over here, it's the moment where, you know, Always. President Bartlett gives the knife to Charlie. He gave uh. him the knife. Yeah, it's that kind of, it's, it's, it's less about the thing itself and more about the, the emotions and connections behind the thing. You know, my father gave this to me when I was a boy and his father gave it to him and now I'm giving it to you. Um, and if you guys have not watched The West Wing, we're going to start making that required reading before we do this. Because <laughs> seriously, 85% of my references are going to come from The West Wing. Let's just be honest. And the other 15% are going to be The Newsroom. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't Which, get me started on The Newsroom, y'all. Hey, okay. So, okay. Let's 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 take a little, little sidebar right here. So, Brandon, you've seen The Newsroom. I have seen The Newsroom. So, the guy who wrote The Newsroom is – Are you? do you know who Aaron Sorkin is? We've never yeah. had this kind of conversation. No, I do. I know who you're talking about. I just okay. haven't actually sat down and watched West Wing. It's on the list. What? what uh, it's on the list. You need to watch it now. Um, it is important. Um, I'm just going to say uh, this just, for you uh, like for when you do finally start it, because this is going to be important. There's a character in the first season, and it's going to absolutely kill you for about an episode and a half. So let me just tell you now, yes, she is the voice of Nala. What? Yeah. Josh's ex-girlfriend is the voice of Nala. And I remember, I distinctly remember the first time I watched it, I could not place it. And it bothered me so much that I almost had to go back and watch the first episode. And then halfway through... I kind of close my eyes for a bit and <laughs> I drop back up and I'm like, I know that voice. Holy cow. I It's all clicking into place right now. Like I had no idea. That is insane. Yeah. That's some, some Nala for you, man. Some that's Nala some, knowledge. That's some top tier oh, information. Trying to get out. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll leave to go right. watch the West wing, I guess. Good night, everybody <laughs> report back. Yeah, please. It's really important. You need to watch that. I have all seven seasons on DVD if you want to borrow them. Of course you do. Of course I do. What were we talking about? Uh, I think something about 
Jedi and Wars and the Stars. So, something. Anakin. So I, I tried to fill in uh, this particular cell on my table. Like I've got King Arthur for Luke. I've got Lancelot for Rey. The only thing I can think of for Anakin, the best way to define him for me, my understanding of him is really the victim, which is not my favorite way to define people because it, it, it defines him more by the actions that occur to him rather than the ones that he takes. It's not my favorite way to define people, but honestly, if you think of if I the more I think about the story of Anakin, and we kind of touched on this when we. Uh, we you know starting our revisits of of each film in uh, sequential order, it's really just him barely hanging on after a series of failures by the people around him who are supposed to take charge of him and and really are responsible for him, and that's not fair. It's just not fair to him as a as a person. You know that's what happens to him is not fair as a person um, as well as I don't particularly like to def- define him by those sets of circumstances but unfortunately that is the strongest impact on his life he uh, the the amount of times in which he gets to make a conscious decision and choose for himself the actions to take are very very limited uh, and do not occur nearly as frequently as compared to when his actions are determined for him um, maybe the two, I, I'm trying to think of the two, maybe three times in which his actions are the ones that are solely determinative and no outside force has an impact upon him is probably one, the pod race from episode one. And then two, the, the, the only other one that comes to mind immediately, again, without having thought through the, down this particular line much further than this is when he protects Palpatine in his office from Mace Windu. I mean, he's the one who chooses that particular role, but even he feels forced into doing that out of service of, of trying to preserve the knowledge that he wants to use to save his wife from maybe dying. So I feel like he's doing a whole lot of reacting and not a whole lot of protagging. So it's, you know, defining Anakin as a protagonist has never sat well with me because he doesn't go and protag a whole lot. Well, but, I mean, you do have the Clone Wars, and I think that plays a role because i was thinking about it as you as you were talking about it that that's really where we see him make the most decisions and you could almost if we go with the excalibur uh analogy say that he kind of builds the rock around himself because that really shows his his demise a lot more and how i mean he was motivated by good intentions but the actions he took to make those intentions come true were not the best I struggle with including the Clone Wars in these kinds of, of conversations. You're absolutely right that it, these we should try to remember these ancillary materials, but that's really all I consider the Clone Wars. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. There's a lot that's interesting to dive into, but I don't give it the same weight and consideration that I do the actual you know, made-for-movie-theater releases. That's probably just my particular approach on it. Um, the other reason I think I don't consider it as much is because the other characters don't get that same kind of treatment. Um, Luke doesn't have a six-year TV show helping flesh out his character. In fact, if we're going just off of what exists in the new canon, he barely appears. Um, there's the Legends of Luke Skywalker book, which he's not even <laughs> named as a, a character there for a long time, and he just doesn't exist in those books and, 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 and things yet. And the same thing with Rey. You know, all we have of her are the two films, and then uh, snippets of those Galaxy of Adventures, or, now wait, what was the little animated series on YouTube she's... Forces, Forces. of Destiny. That's the one, Forces of Destiny. 
You know, one thing, though, where the Clone Wars could be a nice supplement for your point, though, Drew, is I agree with you that Anakin is very often the victim and he doesn't get to make his own choices. One thing that strikes me, though, is with the exception of pod racing, the other action that immediately comes to mind for me is when Anakin decides to go to Tatooine and then Geonosis. Obviously, the wrong decisions led to his path to the dark side. The pattern I notice is that when we're looking at just the movies, when Anakin makes his own decisions, he doesn't actually have all the information that he needs, and that's when he starts to make these poor decisions that start to corrupt him. Uh. Whereas to Brandon's point in The Clone Wars, when he's making those decisions and he is someone who we get to see in his glory and in his heyday, and he is a true Jedi at that point. He makes decisions during the Clone Wars where he has all the information that he needs to actually do it, unlike in movies. So would you say that in general, again, this you know, over the course of six years, that when he has complete information, he makes better decisions that way? I I would say that yeah that would be my argument to it which makes makes sense I mean yeah. I would hope that most people do obviously mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting so <laughs> they don't but I wish they, <laughs> well, did. I wish they did in a perfect world so so taking off of that then what would we say is the defining characteristic or character trait of each of these protagonist slash Anakin's. Oh, you're jumping ahead in my spreadsheet. That's not fair. That's what I, I'm hosting the show. I get to do what I want. I ask the questions. <laughs> do you want to know what I have written down for Anakin? Yes, I really do. Angsty, yeah. angsty haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to have the angsty haircuts. I, I get it, man. I get it. You know. But yeah, that's what I have written down. <laughs> that is the totality of the uh, defining character trait that I have. Sorry, guys. I would, I would say it's his. I know this is probably not a word, but his emotionality. He he's yep, not a word. Yeah, I know. But again, I'm hosting the show. I can do what I want. He he's completely controlled by his emotions, and I think that's kind of something that gets lost along the way with the Jedi is we get this impression or this idea gets spread that they're all no emotion, no emotion, no emotion. And I don't think that's what the Jedi as they're supposed to be are whether they are who they're supposed to be in the prequels or not is is obviously debatable but it comes down to this idea of intention versus action anakin's intentions are always good even in the clone wars mm. if you if you even if you look hold on even if you look at like the the slaver episode the zagarian slavers his intentions are to fight slavery the actions he takes to do that, not necessarily the best thing for a Jedi to do, right? Even if you go to something like when he kills Dooku, you, his, his intention is to help put an end to this war. The action, as he cl- very clearly sees, is the wrong choice. I think where the difference is, is that moment in with the Tusken Raiders where he 
kills the the men. And I don't know if you heard, he killed the women and the children too. What? Not just the men? Not just the men, the women and the children too. <laughs> Dang. I, I think that's the moment where you see like, it's not just that he's emotional, it's that he has absolutely no control over those emotions. And that's what eventually leads him to become Vader. Hmm. I'll stand by it. I'll back you up on that. I'm trying to delineate in my brain if there's a difference between wanting to do good and thinking you're doing good by the action. Oh, there's absolutely a difference. Yeah. Um... No, no, no. Because if you think about any compelling villain thinks what they're doing is, is right. No, no, I wouldn't agree with that particular statement, but I understand your idea that... Except Phasma. Go check out Don't Burn the Sacred Tax. (laughs) (coughs) Plug. (coughs) (coughs) Crossover. I I, Brandon, I understand that an element of of some, if not most compelling villains would be their own self-conviction or... um, not conviction. What's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, being convinced that they are right, yeah. but I, I don't think I don't think it's uh, the word. The phrase "all" is okay. is, is troublesome. Yeah. Maybe not all, but sorry. This is the guy who deals with the difference between may, shall, should, and will in, in my daily life. So <laughs> I will pick <laughs> apart your very small words. It's fair. All right. So then let's go to let's go to Luke. What do you think his defining character traits are? I think he has a level of arrogance to him, to be honest. Whoa. And I, om- I almost think that in order to be a hero, not just in Star Wars, but maybe in any story ever, uh, it, there has to be a level of arrogance in order to be a hero. But Luke, I think, might take it a little step too far. <laughs> or ten steps. Who knows? I, I think I think I understand what you're saying. I call it naivete is kind of the word that I use. Mm. That's what I would say um, too. Because Yeah, that's probably a better one for it. He arrogance implies a, a negative connotation of I can do this and nobody else can, and that makes me better than you. And I don't feel like he has the, the last element of that. He doesn't think he's better than anybody. Um now that I say that out loud, I'm, again, I'm replaying three films in my head all at once to see, does he ever think that he's better than anybody? And I don't think that he does. No, I don't think he, I think maybe Anakin is the arrogant one and then Luke is the oh, absolutely. one. Yeah. I, that, my I, new empire. That's I mean, the, the common thread there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you same might be right. baseline and just a little different direction to it. Yeah, I think Luke, uh, he he always thinks he's doing the the right thing once again, you know, and he thinks he can do it better than he can, but I don't think he thinks he can do it better necessarily than anyone else. And that's something the the comics have kind of given us a lot of is his kind of struggle with becoming a Jedi and there are certain points in the Star Wars ongoing where someone goes to call him a Jedi and he says, I'm not a Jedi. I'm not a Jedi because he doesn't want that, that title yet because he doesn't feel like he earned it. And that's why I think the arrogant doesn't quite work and naivete does because he, mm. he's kind of out of his depth, the whole original trilogy until, I don't know if you heard, there was this moment on the second <laughs> Death Star. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. You should go watch it. 
Seen it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not bad. I mean, it's okay. Once or twice. There are cool parts. There are cool parts. So then let's go to Ray because I think, honestly, when we're talking character traits, to me, she's the most compelling. Uh, what would you What would you pin as her defining character trait? I mean, it's it's really tough to say right now because we are still at such a crossroads with her, and God only knows what's going to happen in episode nine. <laughs> but I would, I'm going to stick with my original assessment, I think, and just say confused. You know, she's not really sure. I think as she's coming to grips with her power, she's understanding how to use that more, but she's not really sure why her yet. And I think she's still trying to figure out why her and where does she fit in this story in order to unlock her full potential. So I'm going to stick with confused for, for right now. <laughs> with it, with an option to renew in uh, a couple months. <laughs> just in I case. really can't get into Rogue just Squadron yet. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I, I put willingness as her defining character trait, because in, in the two films that we get, she is always willing to throw herself into what she's got going on right now with one glaring exception. And I think it's on, I think it's done on purpose in the film is when she's at Maz's castle and she refuses the lightsaber. She says, basically, I don't want a part of this. I never want to touch that thing again. That's a really important moment because I feel like that's the first time probably in her life that she's ever said no to something um, like that, to an option like that. She's She was able to look at a thing and say, I don't want a part of this at all. And she walks away and it leads directly to her getting kidnapped by Kylo Ren. And I think that comes full circle at the end of that film where they're in the forest. And I have notes uh, on this, another uh, one of my rows and columns where she calls Luke's lightsaber to her. And that moment is so different in experience from what it was an hour ago. Like when she first touches the saber in, in the in the basement there, it shows her this crazy vision. It scares her to death. She doesn't understand what's going on and she rejects it. But then later on, when she calls it to her, then when she grabs it, you see that look on her face of like, oh, I can really do this this is interesting and I like this and she lights it and she holds it in that very, you know, very strong position um, to say that she's going to own it now. And it's a very different moment from the first time she touches it. But it, I, th I think it demonstrates for her when she finally accepts, when she is willing to engage with the thing that is really laid before her as, as a major sta stepping stone in her, in her path of destiny or whatever, when she's finally willing to reach out and grab it, it enables her to do so much more than she had been able to do before. And so I think, you know, things like she goes with Finn immediately and hops on the Falcon and, and starts flying it through the desert. She's literally going back and forth saying, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Like, that's her character in a nutshell. And they, it even bears out in The Last Jedi where she goes to the planet she's never been to before to meet the person she's never met before to get him to do the thing that she's never done before. I mean, she's just all about gung-ho, like, we're going to do this. This is going to be great. But she does it with such a confidence and an air about her that Luke never really displays. Um, he is very timid and unsure of himself, like, as we have discussed. And then Anakin just, you know, 
him and his angsty haircut have just got a, a completely skewed view of what's going on. So I'm going to stick with willingness for Ray. I like that. It's so it's really to me, it's a weird analogy, but I got to throw it out there. I think what separates Ray from Luke and Anakin is she is at her strongest when she is surrendering control. Whereas Luke and Anakin always feel the need to stay in control. And I would liken it to somebody getting hit by a truck. (laughs) (laughs) Always a great way to start an analogy. I can't wait to see where this goes. What if I don't finish it? What if I just leave it there? (laughs) Batch eight. (laughs) Do you ever hear the stories of people who really do just get hit by trucks and buses and some most people obviously die on impact, <laughs> but they they say it's because, you know, those people see it coming and they tense up and they just tighten every single muscle. And that just makes the impact even worse. Whereas the people who really stay loose and limber, they can kind of oh take gosh. the brunt force. You're talking about the drunk driver <laughs> phenomenon. I- I am talking okay. about the drug driver phenomenon. <laughs> I was wondering, what the heck is she talking about? I was like, how do I say this nicely? But yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The people who really do kind of loosen up and ease into it and just it's let certain less things harm happen. From being like they're they, a they don't get killed when they get hit by a truck. And that's right. Okay. I think we need to make sure when we're talking about getting hit by trucks... Are we talking about a vehicle getting hit by a truck? Because man versus truck doesn't go well. <laughs> Again, as the guy who works motor vehicle accident cases, they don't end pretty. <laughs> There's yet to be a happy ending. Yeah, I don't know about any of that. It's never fun. See, I would say Ray's character characteristics are searching but stubborn. Because she she's searching for her family, right? She, she says that. She's searching for her family. And then when she gets the opportunity to have this found family, she just denies it. She, she doesn't want to have a part of it. When she gets called to this greater thing that doesn't fit into her plan, what she thought she was searching for, she denies it. And where that changes is that moment in the forest where she calls the lightsaber to herself. But I don't think that I think that changes her her path, but I don't think it changes her characteristics or her character traits, because when she gets to Octo, she's still searching. She's searching for Luke this time. She's searching for her place in all of this, mm-hmm. but she's still extremely stubborn. And we see that. And and stubborn has a bad uh, a negative connotation to it, but in this case, like stubborn is a good thing because she continues and continues and continues to wear Luke down almost until that moment right before he sees her and Kylo in the hut. He's going to go back with her, you know. Um, and, and so that willingness, that stubbornness to not give up, to to go towards this goal, sometimes to a flaw as we see in the throne room, but it's, it's what allows her to, to have the moments where she gets kidnapped and then go and, and call the saber to herself or where she gets defeated in the throne room, or or at least doesn't get what she thinks she needs in the throne room. And then later goes and lifts the rocks. She, she just drew, you kind of said this too. She kind of just keeps moving forward. 
Yeah, she's got that relentless yes. uh, quality to her, yes, which I which I think, it. yeah, that kind of all ties together. Yeah, I like it because when you first said stubborn, I kind of bumped against that and was like, stubborn? What are you talking about? It's like, oh, yeah, there's like all that time where she's like, no, I'm not leaving and not giving up. And what, what doesn't the Last Jedi novel, novelization talk about the two things she learned to do on Jakku was to fix things and to wait? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary of her um, as compared to the other two knuckleheads we got going on. <laughs> <laughs> so considering I mean, that... By comparison, like Luke is like the most impulsive son of a gun you ever see in these films. He like up and abandons his training. Um, he, he goes off and does his own thing from Hoth. He, he's just his own man without, it's weird. Cause he, he plays this dual role of doing only what he wants to do, but also willing to give up everything to go help everybody else he knows. So it's this weird kind of duality to that, which is neat. Yeah. But you could say that being the, I guess I kind of touched on this point before, but being the hero is what he wants most. So maybe there's that small part of him who doesn't necessarily want to go off and save everyone just to be totally altruistic. Maybe it's because that's going to make him the hero. Do you think he has that desire to be the hero? Like he takes actions in order to be heroic though? Like do we have evidence of that? Why why do you think that? What do you mean by that? To be totally honest, it's because I think it's just inherent in everyone. And okay. I would make that argument about any character, Star Wars, Marvel, whatever it is. I would probably find a way to make that argument with very few exceptions. Hmm. So in order to combat that idea, I have to come up with evidence within the films that gives us his motivation behind his actions that seem heroic, but he's not doing for a self-aggrandizing purpose. You would. Okay, give me a couple of minutes. All right, time is <laughs> on. <laughs> but see, I think if you if you look at Bespin, that's exactly what he's doing. I think he's going there. Yeah, he's going there to save Han and Leia. But I think to some extent, he's going there to prove that he can save Han and Leia. Um, because uh. I mean, by the time he gets to to Vader, he. He's he knows he's not gonna save them. I think, and he still continues to go after Vader. And there's a moment in the comics where they're uh, in the middle of a space battle, and Vader's there, and Luke is there, and the rebels are trying to escape, and Luke's the last one that's supposed to jump, and he starts going after Vader. He goes after him because at that point uh, he thinks you know Vader's the one that killed his father. But I think again to some extent. He's he's doing that to prove that he can do that, to prove that he can be the hero. Um, he can slay the the dragon that defeated his father, uh, in 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 a certain sense. Hmm. I'm gonna go back to when he's still on Dagobah during Empire, where Yoda says, oh, "Well, he, he says you must not go," and and Luke says, "And sacrifice Han and Leia." and and Yoda says, if you honor what they fight for, then yes. I think what Yoda is telling him is that your tra- you're going there and saving them might be successful, but it jeopardizes the entire thing we're trying to achieve of bringing down the Empire. 
He's basically saying, if you do this, you jeopardize everything the Rebellion and everything we as the last two Jedi in existence are trying to accomplish. And I think he puts that up against the value of saving his the only two friends that he has in the galaxy. And he chooses his two friends over the Rebellion and, and all of the tyranny that he fought against in A New Hope. I mean, that's the reason he wanted to join up with the Rebellion beforehand even before he meets obi-wan he wants to follow biggs into the rebellion he wants to join the the academy so that he can get the training he needs to abandon ship follow biggs and 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 bring some ships over to the rebellion so his ideas from the very beginning were to topple the government um and he's willing to lay all of that down all the things he had tried to accomplish with blowing up the death star and it's you know several multi-million people inhabitants and his ma- acts of mass murder, he's willing to give up all of that in order to just save the two people that he likes. If I convinced anybody, anybody, mm, not yet. You kind of pushed not me yet. farther along to my <laughs> my. <laughs> I, see, oh, guys, come on! You lost me at like he he wants to join the rebellion because I don't think he really does. I think he wants to go to the Imperial Academy. Because he just wants to get off Tatooine. Yeah, it's just a different option. I mean, that's part of it, but I, I feel like there's, is there not the deleted scene where he talks to Biggs about joining the Rebellion and Biggs says, wait yeah. until you know what you're doing? Are we not counting uh, deleted scenes as canon anymore? No, I, I don't. Listen, if you don't want to yeah. count Clone Wars. Hey, it's not that I don't want to. I just don't <laughs> remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's So let's good. stick then with what was kept in the movies. Uh, uh, I guess if you want to go with evidence. <laughs> so going along, I mean, let's finish that scene on Bespin where you have Luke rushing off. You know, Yoda's doing the you can't go. And I remember Luke shouting back, you know, but Han and Leia will die if I don't. And Obi-Wan responds with, you don't know that. Even Yoda cannot see that. Luke says, but I can help them. I feel the force. And Obi-Wan comes back with, but you cannot control it. So even though Luke knows, and he has the two most powerful people in his life saying, don't do this thing. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't be in control. He kind of just shrugs off and goes, but I can have fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but then I'm going to use the prequels and say you and I as audience members know that Obi-Wan and Yoda have the least successful uh, track record <laughs> in training Jedi to be good people uh, quotient. Okay, so let's uh, take Obi-Wan. their, their yeah. advice with a little bit of salt just to say, okay, these guys screwed it all up and Yoda takes a 20-year sabbatical. Nobody's trained anybody in the meantime and they're trying out new tactics and new schools of thought. So maybe they don't have their entire training gig, uh, gig all, all worked out 100%. That's why they have another, just, you know, a backup plan. What a horrible way to refer to Leia. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Luke was the backup plan, don't forget. Uh, that's okay, true. That's listen, true. I don't like that interpretation very much. <laughs> I don't know where that... Does that come from a novelization or something, to say that Leia was the the, the one they were had in mind? A certain yeah, point of view. So, um, where do we get that idea? From a, Is certain, it a certain point of view. All right, I no longer like, like that book anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. So Ugh. if we if we jump off of Bespin, uh, All right, it makes me sound sexist. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But still, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting because every every great protagonist has to fail. I mean, if you have a character just swoop in and and they're great right from the get go, 
it's not not gr- not great not great um <laughs> and i think i think if you look at luke his, his two greatest failures and i think it's debatable which one is his greatest is rushing off to bespin and then is what he does uh with ben solo so starting with luke and then expanding out from there where do you think or what do you think is each of their greatest failures drew why don't you start this time Wait a minute, you're changing things up on me because I, I, you threw me for a loop when you said his thing with Ben Solo, and I was like, "What are you talking about with Ben?" And I was like, "Oh, Ben Solo, not Ben Kenobi." <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally threw ben me Solo. off my game for a minute there. The other Ben, the other Ben, yeah, because there's only two. Never mind. Um, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to repeat the question because it's not in my uh, spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're calling an audible on me? Again. No, it's this not, was on the list com- I sent you. Lies and trickery. I copied it from the Lies, message. Deception. Yeah, Saw Guerrero does not agree with you. Borgullet will know the truth. The greatest failure Luke ever did. Oh man. Because it's gotta be it's gotta I, be either Bespin or It has or I don't see his move to Bespin as a failure oh, at all. What? No, I don't. I no. see it as not a great decision just because it had it had negative consequences for him. But in the end, it was number one. It accomplished what he did. He wanted to. He saved Han and Leia. OK, so that worked out. He went to Bespin to confront Vader. He did. Again, didn't go great, but he survived. We got to keep in mind that he goes up against a, a Dark Lord of the Sith, one of the, the most well-skilled lightsaber-trained individuals in, in a lifetime, and survives. Now, that's crazy. Now, granted, Vader's pulling his punches. Yeah. yeah well, no, okay. definitely. Okay, Luke, Vader's not intending to kill him. I understand that, but still. I, I think we need to put this into perspective, though. Han leaves Bespin in Carbonite in Boba Fett's ship. And alive. Leia saves herself. Alive. Right. How what much happens? Of a difference did Luke, Luke really made make? No difference. To okay. That. No, whoa. Whoa. Absolutely. Whoa. If Luke doesn't go there, okay. What? What did he interrupt? He interrupted um, Han being loaded into Boba. Well, he didn't even interrupt Han being loaded into Boba Fett's uh, cargo hold. He interrupted Leia being kidnapped. He keeps her. Out of the clutches of the Empire. You mean to tell me what that if... What movie are you watching? Uh, the one where Jeremy Bullock, playing an Imperial officer, grabs Leia and pulls her down the hallway. Yes. Yeah, and Luke gets that to stop. <laughs> no, he does Does he? Yes. I feel like Leia gets that to Leia stop. Leia gets that. Okay, Whoa. if anything, Whoa. if you want to make an argument that Leia is not the one that saves herself, which you would be wrong, but let's just go down that way. Lando would be the one that saved them, uh, not Luke. Lo- Lobot would Lobot. be the one. <laughs> yes, Lobot <laughs> would be the one. I think the best argument you could make, which I don't think it works very well, that Luke saved anybody there, is that he kept Vader away from them. That's it. Well, that's my very next point is because Luke arrives, Vader, who is hunting Luke, this is his whole role in the film is Vader hunts Luke. That's what you can boil Empire down to in three words. He stays on Cloud City in order to kidnap and confront Luke. Now, imagine if Luke doesn't go. This Follow the exact same line of events. Lando and Lobot's... Uh, they, they kind of coordinate their jumping of the Imperial troopers. They're freed, and they all run to the Millennium Falcon. They take off. What happens next? Vader gets in his tie and kidnaps them anyway. The, the, 
Executor is sitting out there in orbit, and they are not as distracted because Vader's not as busy. If Vader is does not have Luke there to pay attention to, his focus is clearly going to be on Leia and and Chewbacca at that time because he's going to get the, the 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 page message through his comlink system, I guess, in his chest plate maybe, that says that Lando is escaping Cloud City, and he's got the the princess in tow, and so immediately they go out there and get him. They probably blow them all up out of the sky. I would like to quote Ray here then and just oh. say, well, that was lucky. <laughs> well in my experience there's no such thing as luck <laughs> i don't know i just i don't think being the mouse in a giant game of cat and mouse was really what luke had intended when he went to bespin so i'm with brandon on this one i would still consider leaving his training to go to bespin a failure yeah. that just so happened to luckily work out well, no i don't <sighs> <sighs> because, okay. Because here we're gonna have to move on because it's gonna be a late night. <laughs> I don't think Vader is even there if he doesn't know for sure that Luke is coming. Right? Mm. Uh, okay. Ooh, Let's so, unpack that a little bit so, more. So, so if you, if Luke is is not gonna be tempted to come, then Vader's not even gonna go to Cloud City. He's not even going to try to capture them. He probably just either straight up kills him or goes after Luke to kill him. So either a Han and Leia don't get captured at all. And so therefore Leia does not have to save herself. Um, she, she probably still will because she's Leia and she's awesome. But I think Vader knew for sure that Luke was going to come. I don't know. You can call it a force vision or whatever you want, but we do know he sees things before they happen. And so if Luke's not almost guaranteed to come here, come there, he's not going to invest that time and energy into such a scheme to trap him. There's a million other ways he could go about doing it. He's going to take the one that's the sure bet. So therefore, Luke is the one who caused the problem by no, being naive no. enough. This is all very Oedipus Rex of him. <laughs> Hey, I got that reference. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. No problem. <laughs> I read those plays. <laughs> Brandon doesn't believe in. And plays, they weren't okay? even written by Aaron Sorkin. No, they weren't. They were in a long time before him, but that's okay. He I think Brandon. Brandon has completely missed what the second act of Empire Strikes Back. What's really going on? Vader is chasing the Falcon because he thinks Luke is on it. He doesn't care about Han and Leia. He's chasing Luke. That's all his motivation is for the entire film. It says it right in the opening crawl. That's what he, Vader is doing. He's hunting the rebel who d was responsible for the death of or the destruction of the Death Star, Luke Skywalker. It says it right there. That's why they go to Hoth, because he knows Luke is with the rebels. He follows the Millennium Falcon because he thinks Luke is on it. And he, he corners them and funnels the Falcon to get to Cloud City. And once they do... And once Leia and Han are being entertained by Lando, Vader realizes Luke is no longer with them, so he gives a plan B. If I torture his friends, he will feel it and have and feel compelled to come get them. That's what's going on. It's not about he's trying to like 
the whole chasing of the Falcon is not trying to bring Luke to him. He's hunting Luke. That's what he's trying to do. And then he finds out that he got he has bait by which he can hook Luke on. And so that's why he's reeling him in with the torture sequence. That's why Han says they never even ask me any questions. They don't want to torture him for information. They want to torture him to incre- to inject pain and, and discomfort into the Force. And then that will spread. And then Luke, because of his connection, will sense it. That's what he's doing. But I still don't think that changes the fact that <laughs> Luke failed and did not save anybody. I mean, so you, you agree with me? He didn't fail. No, I just said he did fail. No, you just said I don't think he failed. Play it back. Somebody play back the tape. Are we recording this? <laughs> is your battery still alive? Has your memory card run out of space yet? It, you know what? Just about forty. This seconds is when ago. it conveniently dies. Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened. All right, we're going to move on because we're going down <sighs> a pit. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to write an article about this. It's right now two against one though because I'm still uh, saying leaving. I'll say this: not so much going to Bespin, but how about this compromise? Leaving his training was a mistake. Okay, that's a different question. You're changing the rules of the game, and I like it. <laughs> how come when she changes things, you like it? When I have something that's not on your spreadsheet. I get lambasted. Because she, she's seen the West Wing a couple times. <laughs> and I know who Oedipus Rex is. Hey, I know who Oedipus Rex is. <laughs> God. Oh, man. No, this is going to be an article, though. All right. We're, we're I throwing put this, this on the Facebook group. Yeah, let's put this to, to, to the... To, to, well, I was going to say the general public, but God, let's not talk to the general no. public. They're scary. Was, was Luke going to Bespin... Oh, okay. Let's 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 frame the question as succinctly as we can. Did how do we want to do it? Was Luke going to Bespin a failure? I don't think that's a fair question. I think we need to say what is what are Luke's intentions? What are his goals in going to Bespin? And does he fail? Does anybody have any sub questions they'd like to add to that? Let me think on it. I think that's all right. All right. I'm gonna circulate. I'm gonna put this. The group text. <laughs> so, so going. You move off on of to that, something else while I'm texting you. Going off of that, what do we think is the the greatest failure? I think the greatest failure for Anakin is pretty obvious in turning for to the dark side. Oh, that's not what I was going to say. Oh no. Okay. Well, go no. ahead. Not not killing Sebulba when he had the chance. I was going to say asking Padme if she was an angel. Oh my God! Get out of here. <laughs> I knew I liked her for a reason. <laughs> I have my charms. All right. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. too funny. I Let's go to Ray then. What it? What's Ray's <laughs> greatest failure? Hmm. Um, I think Ray's greatest failure isn't so much a moment, but maybe a character flaw. She puts a lot of trust in people very early on. Ooh, I like that. Culminated with Ben Sola. That's fair. Yeah. You know, it just so happens that her faith in Finn and her faith in Han plays out well because they are genuinely good people, but she takes that, you know, maybe she was just rewarded too often for putting faith early on, but it eventually leads to her waiting around for her family who's never coming back and her thinking that she can reel Ben Solo back to the light side. Well, and see, that's why I think the throne room would be our greatest failure 
I think we lose the fact that she failed on her mission there because of Snoke dying, the amazing fight scene and everything. But she goes to save Ben Solo. I think that's kind of like the manifestation of what you're saying. She puts her trust in people too quickly and that manifests in her going to the throne room, which I mean, for all intents and purposes is a, is a failure. Uh, you have Kylo now leading the first order and, at least with Snoke, you you know what you're getting. You don't really know what you're getting with, with Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. Uh, and, and so you have to wonder whether when we start Episode 9, I mean, we know when we ended Episode 8, the Resistance is like, I don't know, three and a half people and some porks. <laughs> so... <laughs> It... Captain Commander Porg, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he worked very hard for those rank those rank insignias. Um, so then, like, where do we start episode nine? I know that's like a completely different topic, and we don't really need to get into it. But you do have to imagine they start off in a place far worse than where they started off in in episode eight. Even though they were running, they had just destroyed Starkiller Base. So. To me, that's her greatest failure. I don't think we'll get one bigger than that in uh, the Untitled Episode Nine film. I think that's mm-hmm. what, I think that's what the title is going to be: the Untitled Episode Nine film. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to I see. Could, I could see the uh, the text crawl now: Star Wars Episode Nine. Insert title here. <laughs> <laughs> title to be released on Blu-ray and DVD. <laughs> Okay, you can so. purchase this movie's title for an additional dollar ninety nine <laughs> through the App Store. Check out Disney streaming service. Yes. <laughs> it's only uh, uh, titles only available in augmented reality. You have to hold oh. your phone out. <laughs> okay, so then we have their their greatest failure. From there, we obviously have to go to their greatest achievement, which I think for Luke is pretty obvious it would be at least for me would be his redemption of darth vader are we all in agreement on that yeah i'm in agreement there i don't know he could bullseye womp rats in his t-16 back home that's real (laughs) moving on to anakin then because i think he he's the the harder one to nail down because his achievements are they're great. I mean, the Revenge of the Sith novelization talks about his name being known across the galaxy. We see in the Clone Wars all these amazing things that he does and, and the clones joking about, oh, this plan doesn't make any sense. And it's like, yeah, that's what Skywalker's plans always do. It's going to work perfectly. But to nail down his one greatest achievement, do you, do you go with the second Death Star and, and his redemption moment? Does that... Is he already so uh, so much in the negative there that, that that doesn't bring him back into the positive? You know, it's it's a much tougher <laughs> tougher place to to nail down. So, Lindsay, what do you think, or what would you say is Anakin slash used to be Vader's biggest achievement or greatest achievement? I mean, I'm biased. I would say that that final redemption is his greatest achievement. You know, I think I've told you guys this before, though. In high school, we actually had to watch um, Return of the Jedi in our religion class junior year. That sounds like a great class. 
It was. We watched that and the um the Liam Neeson version of Les Mis. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so we watched that, but that's that's why to me, not only is that Anakin's greatest achievement, but it's the entire point of at least the first six movies. Yeah, that's hard to argue with. I mean, winning the Boonta Eve classic is pretty, pretty impressive, though, especially at nine. No human can do it. Only human can do it. Yeah. Very fast. Very dangerous. I mean, he does ride down on the top of a TIE fighter into a Sith temple. See, Brandon, I'm surprised you didn't go with his training of Ahsoka and letting her go. Oh, I don't think he had much of a choice there. I don't think he... <laughs> no. But no. I feel like... I, I'm kind of surprised... Well, first off, I thought that was going to be a cheat to use the same event in Return of the Jedi for both Luke and Anakin. Um, I thought you were going to go with, with Ahsoka somehow. But I'm surprised. And a little let down, not going to lie. No, because I, I don't think he has any role... He doesn't He doesn't willingly let her go in in that episode. But, he he yeah. asks her to come back. He He runs there to almost beg her to come back and even though he says he understands like it's one of those things where you're you would do anything you could to change it but you can't do anything to change it i think i think he him allowing her the freedom to go though is a huge step for him because he's always tried to be in control and save the ones he loves and you can't deny that's truly how he feels about Ahsoka. He loves her, maybe not in the same way that he loved his mom or his wife, obviously, but he loved her. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. he let her he allowed her the freedom to go without the the pain of of dying or uh, without responding in in anger and and wrath. I mean, think about when you know, we we joked about it earlier, but when he's in the Tuscan camp, that's one of the most uh unbelievably important moments in that character's history is is that where he just wipes out the entire camp um that i think is completely understated in in all of the source material you have this, the characters probably the first time that i can think of that there might be some other material i haven't read or seen or whatever that's the first time he's killed anybody and that is a step to take and so i i would think that would be his most influential but i i really thought like I mean, because there's that mentor-mentee relationship where the mentee finally comes to a point that they, they, they make a decision that their mentor disagrees with, and both of them think they're right. They both have to have the maturity to be able to disagree and walk away at the right time with the right, with the right mindset, and he's able to do that, and that is huge. Like That, to me, is the sign that there is still hope within him. I am going to withhold statement until later this year when Clone Wars comes out because I think I think that's, that's one a good thing point. that season seven will give us um, that we didn't get with season six or the lost missions is you know we I mean we know we're gonna get the siege of Mandalore we know we're gonna get that scene where he gives her the five o first and so. We'll see kind of what kind of scene that is and how he reacts to that. Um, and I think that'll inform a lot uh, whether you're going in the right direction there. I don't I'm, I don't disagree with you at this point. I just think season seven is going to tell us a lot um, in that direction. So let's That's go, fair. Let's go to Ray. Do we have Ray's greatest achievement yet or are we going to say let's wait for episode nine? 
Oh, based on what we got, I still think that her calling the lightsaber to her is is the pivotal moment in that character. Yeah, I, I agree. think that's it's it's probably the most important thing she has done, um, per in her in her personal journey so far. Yeah, and I can't imagine what's gonna top that. I can imagine that she does a lot of things that have a larger and more immediate impact but I can't imagine anything being more influential for her than that yeah. moment. Yeah, I think so. Well, so then let's, let's take that and, and go off on to this next question, which is what is the most important or influential moment for each character? So I I'm with you guys. I think her calling the lightsaber to her is the most influential moment for her. Drew, you mentioned uh, the Tuscan camp being the moment for Anakin. What would you say then is the moment for Luke that his, is his most influential moment? Well, now I'm I'm going to say it and I'm disappointed in the two of you because I think his most influential moment and most important character moment is his confrontation with Vader on Bespin. That is unbelievably important to him as a character and you two clearly don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I I've never met anybody who reads that that scene different. So I'm I'm also thrilled to see that there's somebody with a different interpretation and would love to get more people involved in this because I'm flabbergasted um, that you guys don't love this this particular sequence as much as I do. Like he is actively again the mentor mentee relationship where he knows exactly what the right thing to do is, but the people who trained him in how to listen to that voice inside of him say, "Don't listen to that voice inside of you at the moment." That is a critical junction in anybody's spiritual development. Like, if you think about, like, when a like the only reason I I harp on this is because I I can think of situations where a pastor who trains a younger pastor, again specific to the Christian faith, where the pastor who trains the younger pastor teaches him the way to go, he shows him the ropes, and 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 really sets forth a roadmap to success and 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 quality. At a certain point, the younger one says, I have an idea, I want to go pursue it. And the older one says, I don't think that's a good idea. And at that point, they're, with that kind of a, a split in, in idea where they both have learned to listen to that spiritual side of them, they both hear that side, and they both come to a different conclusion. And they allow each other to go those ways without, you know, slaughtering an entire camp of Tuscan Raiders. That's amazing. And, and so Luke has to do that. And he does that at the cost of his own life. Like he goes to Bespin not knowing he's going to survive. Like there's no way he can confidently say he's going to go toe to toe with the Dark Lord of the Sith and come out the other side okay. He does not come out the other side okay, but he comes out remarkably better than he could have. Okay. And he does that all he does all of that with, built upon again, my understanding of the scene. All that built upon a desire to just simply rescue his friends at the cost of his own life, at the cost of the rebellion, at the cost of the galaxy writ large. He's willing to go and put himself on the line for those two jokers. But see, okay, I don't, I don't think him going there was not important or, or that in the long run it wasn't important to his development. What I'm saying is I don't think him going there, I don't think he saved anybody. I do agree with you that that is his most influential moment, though, because okay. that, that is that moment where, you know, I, I would even actually go, if you want to go to a very specific moment, I would go to him jumping off the terrace and falling into Cloud City 
because he's literally saying there, I, I would rather die than join you. He has the one thing in front of him that he has always wanted his entire life, which is his father. He has everything he could ever want right there. He has the ability to affect the galaxy at large, to be off of Tatooine, to be with his father. He has this, this potential for great power right in front of him. And he does exactly the opposite of what Anakin would have done. And he leaps off. And there's yeah, he's, no he's, way he could have known he was going to be okay. No, he's stuck between that impossible decision between, like, the the thing that I have been chasing after, you know, that, that you know, I've been searching for this father figure. I thought it was never coming back. And here it is in front of me. But it turns out it's Satan. You know, it's the master of evil in all the galaxy. And I have the choice to either continue to fight and try and strike him down and kill what I thought had already been dead and will be lost to me forever or I can join him and completely sell my soul and he does, he finds the third path out of the impossible situation by simply taking himself out of the equation and this again to go down a, a, a another rabbit hole is the problem with the Blu-ray version of The Empire Strikes Back I don't remember if it's in one of the earlier versions or not but in the original cut and even in the 1997 special edition, he falls down the shaft and there's, there's only music and sound effects. There's no voice, but they added in his scream in one in the subsequent releases so that when he's falling, he's screaming. And in the original version, he doesn't make that sound because he's confident in his decision to give up. He says, I'm going to remove myself from the picture and I'm comfortable with that decision. And he falls presumably to his death. Uh, a, 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 I want to put air quotes around the phrase noble self-sacrifice. But in these re-releases where they add the scream, the idea is to show that he's truly afraid and he doesn't know what's going to happen and he doesn't understand. And I think that cheapens the idea of that noble self-sacrifice a bit. Rabbit hole. It does. Thing. I'll give you, yeah. I uh, would agree with that yeah, for sure. I'm with you there. Lindsay, where do you come down on this? What's Luke's most influential moment? I mean, his most influential moment is obviously learning Vader as his father. I am the father. That does change everything. Mm. I'm Gosh, still, though. I love that movie. But the, the thing is, I'm still, it's not that I think he, he went to Bespin to do this incredibly influential thing. It's just something that happened to him. And it's funny, Drew, because when you describe Luke as someone who doesn't necessarily care about the larger picture and the rebellion, he's just going to save his friends. Let's not forget there's someone in the sequel trilogy who does just that as well. So really, it's like Finn probably has the most in common with Luke. Finn doesn't necessarily care about that larger organization. He's just there for the one person. You take that one person out, now that's when you have the option to step up and become the hero and do something greater than yourself. Mm, maybe. I don't know. The way the way you describe it, I think Finn has more in common with Luke than Ray does. Well, Luke definitely. Well, Luke has allegiance to the rebellion all through the new A New Hope, and even through most of Empire Strikes Back. Finn never has that type of devotion to the Resistance ever. Like even up. That's you're, true. He is from start to finish, uh, start right. to midway. They're just for Ray. 
Yeah, and even not only it comes up, you know. I mean, it's an interesting idea. It's kind of he he. There definitely is that relation between the two. I can definitely see that the 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 slavish devotion to uh, one or you know in parentheses two people, which is interesting. I never put those two together, but I think Luke still has devotion to um, the rebellion. But not at the cost of his friends. Right. Not in the sense Finn that has to learn him that. the way it drives Leia. Right. If Finn has to learn devotion to the to the resistance because he's trying to cast off his devotion to the first order. I think that's probably that might be the difference. Whereas whereas Luke is rushing to the rebellion to join, Finn is rushing away from the first order to escape it, and he just happens to fall into the arms of the resistance. Like almost literally, yeah, oh, yeah, pretty literally. Yeah, almost just about. Um, another point, though, too, that you had made that I wanted to go back to was when you're thinking that one of Luke's most influential moments is his ability to cast doubt on his mentors and start to really question Yoda, question Ben. Ray really does the same thing in the Last Jedi. Up I until, love that part too. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. It's but the here's best. here's the difference though. When Ray does it, and this is why I would continue to make the argument that I think Ray will end up being a jet better Jedi or whatever replaces the Jedi than Luke was. Because when Ray questions him, she's right. Mm. When Luke questions Yoda and Ben. He's wrong. That's an interesting idea. I mean, Luke sucks as a teacher in these moments because he 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 fails that test of I mean, that's that's his role in the film is, is, you know, is to fail and to demonstrate failure. And even he has to learn from his own failures. I mean, that's what he's doing in the film. So, yeah, I totally get that. and, And I'm on board with that. Oh, I like The Last Jedi. It's pretty good. It's, I'm a fan. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Needed more porgs and less less, the, less of the horse racing thing with the big mm. floppy ears. Let's be honest. What it really needed was more sea cows. As every movie does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in the social network. There you go. Mark Zuckerberg getting his daily dose of calcium. <laughs> Gross. I mean, there was the line, and you just went right <laughs> through it, just obliterated it. It's it's not the first movie I was thinking of to make that joke with, but I'm glad she went there. <laughs> <laughs> no going back. Nope, not really. No. <laughs> but no, to go back to at least the bottom line, I think that in fa- in terms of the most influential moments... It could be that for both Luke and Ray, their most influential moments were when they took the step to question their mentors. It just yeah. so happened that Luke was wrong and Ray was right. Oh, Ray was say, right. Yeah, yeah. When you say Luke was wrong, are you saying about when he uh, on Dagobah still? Are we back in Empire? Or are you talking oh, we about? Oh, sure are. Oh my gosh! <laughs> How was he wrong? You're talking about his training still. Yeah, when he decides to leave his training and he starts to push back on his mentors, 
he most likely was wrong at that point. It's, Whereas okay. Ray, when she pushes back on Luke and says, you know, tell me the real story about what happened with Ben and tell me all of these things about the force. Tell me about this cave. She is right. Oh man. Okay. That's interesting. I, Hmm. See, you're looking at right versus wrong from the perspective of the omniscient viewer of the audience yeah. position. Yeah. And we'll not the from final the characters hour. positions that, okay. That might be the perspective shift. I was missing in your argument to understand what the heck you were talking about. Okay. I still, think you're wrong, but. I still <laughs> well, I think it gets muddied with Luke because going off to save your friends is a noble, noble thing to do, right? Leaving your Jedi training, probably not, but, I think it gets muddied with what we see in episode six in Return of the Jedi when he asks Yoda whether Vader is really his father. Because Yoda, at least the way I've always interpreted it, makes it pretty clear that he wasn't going to tell Luke. Absolutely. He completely demurs. Right. So so if we take that and and we look at Luke's overall journey and we look at what he did at the end of... Return of the Jedi, you know, there's a great moment on the second Death Star. I don't know if you've seen it. And <laughs> we look at that in the in the grander picture of things. Then we look back on him finding out that Vader was his father, and we go, okay, well, that was super influential. It was super important to his overall story, which changes how we interpret what happens in Empire Strikes Back and whether him leaving or not was the right thing. Because if he doesn't leave... He doesn't find out Vader's his father, probably goes on to either A, follow the exact same path as, as his father, or die on the second Death Star. I don't think if he I don't think if he goes in to the second Death Star, guns a blazing, he walks out of there. Agreed. So it kind of changes the situation. Speaking of Return of the Jedi, we're kind of <sighs> getting to the close here. We we have the full trilogy with Anakin. We have the full trilogy with Luke. We're so close to having the full trilogy with Rey. How will we see what happens in Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith affect what we see with Rey and Nine? And you can take that as what actions that did they do that will affect what she does, what uh, mirrors will we see, what opposites will we see. Take it any direction you want, but what parts of Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith will will be connected with Rey in Episode Nine? Hmm. It's tough because up until right now, we have no reason to think that anything Anakin did, or by the time we get to Revenge of the Sith, Darth Vader did. Nothing there is going to directly impact Rey's story. I think it will directly impact Kylo Ren, and therefore indirectly influence Ray, But really, it's just Luke becoming the legend of Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi that will continue to really press Ray forward in her story. Mm. Yeah. I, I think you... Yeah, I think you're getting getting spot on there. Drew, what about you? I think you've tried to come up with a clever way if you, uh, of asking us if, if Kylo Ren is going to get redeemed. Oh, no, that no, I know he's going to get redeemed. That's not the question. Oh, Lord, God, save me from this tribulation. 
Because, see, see here's – the reason I asked this question is because I have a – because you have an answer. Well, yes. <laughs> you want to give? Go ahead. I was hoping someone would ask I me. Know. <laughs> Somebody ask me. Um, no, because I have a theory. Again, just a theory, but I'm going to say spoiler alert because it's probably true. And by probably true, I mean it's definitely not true. That we're going to get in episode nine uh, what we got in The Deathly Hollows. Um, if you've seen part two of The Deathly Hollows. He Harry Potter gets surrounded by the the ghosts of all his family, and that allows him to have the strength to eventually be able to do what he needs to do to defeat Voldemort. I think we get something very similar with Rey in Episode Nine, because her journey started with her looking for her family, and so it has to end with her finding her family, finding her place, which. I think, of course, is primarily with Poe and and Finn and everything. But part of who she is is the future of the Jedi. And so as a nice way to wrap up the the trilogy of trilogies, you have... I don't know if you have it in this final confrontation where she defeats Ben Solo or where she redeems Kylo Ren. It could go a lot of directions, but I think we see her surrounded by force ghosts as she goes on towards whatever the the final climactic end of episode nine is Mm. and maybe it's just me really 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 wanting hayden christensen to be in episode nine as a force ghost you because the difference is with harry potter all of those people were part of his life before that right but he yes but they were his family, like he and he and he never he never met his mom and dad. So, I'm I'm kind of coming from the perspective of family legacy, the connection there, and that would be the connection that Ray would have with them. the The problem and the reason I don't think this is going to happen, it might just be a cool fanfic that I write at some point, is. <laughs> With what we what we've seen of Force Ghosts so far, you do have to have some kind of connection to them previously to see them manifest. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Drew, you've managed to avoid the question. You've noticed that, have you? Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. So then, okay. <laughs> I I, I don't, I'm I'm I I don't know. I have this weird aversion to try and and. and connect things to a movie we haven't even seen or we don't even know the title of. Um, I, 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 it's going to just lead me down a path that I don't want to go down. And I simply cannot follow. You can't follow me down this path. And I don't want to follow you down that path. I don't really want a scene of Ray surrounded by force ghosts of Luke, Yoda, Kenobi, Anakin, Mace Windu, Shakti, Kit Fisto and, Oh, see, those last two, I would. Even Peel. <laughs> All of them. It would be great. <laughs> Even Peel. Huh. Can we get Yarrow Poof? <laughs> Make sure. All you see is like his body and his neck. His head doesn't even fit in the screen. It's just floating above them. Well, oh, dear. You don't... Oh, the Jedi Council. <laughs> you don't what see are we going to do with these Because they've got to pan down to Yaddle and Yoda holding hands. Oh, man. Yaddle. I had forgotten about Yaddle. That's really. about Yaddle. I, I mean, let you forget it doesn't take Yaddle. a lot of effort to forget. <laughs> oh. who, need, who needs a Kenobi spinoff when we could have a Yaddle spinoff? Oh, yeah. 
Why would we want that? <laughs> Why would we want that? Oh, that sounds terribly frightening. <laughs> All right, so let's let we'll we'll finish up with a an easier question to kind of land the ship here. And we're we gonna the, talk about the cave one yet. Can we talk about the cave question yet? I, I decided we're gonna save the cave one for another episode. Oh. We're gonna save it. I want to do it because. Here's the thing. I think hashtag save it. Yes, the, the cave scenes deserve their own episode. Yes. So say, I have a lot of questions about that. Yes, question. ex- exactly my point. So Aww. coming soon on Clashing Sabers. Here's a, it's, it's a nice easy question. You have two words that you can answer. You can say you yes or no, and the name of the character. All right. Those those are your choices. Is there a chosen one? Drew, go. Yes. And your character? See. Ah, ah, nope. Nope. You cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which way Lucas comes down on it. Doesn't he come down on Anakin as the chosen one? He says Anakin, yeah. Then why don't we just leave it at that? My junior year religion teacher came down, came to Anakin. I mean, I have to say, see, okay, so uh, <sighs> I asked the question so I get to cheat. Wait, are we all in agreement here? <gasps> what? Batch eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, wait, who was it on Twitter, Brandon? Was it Michelle who, who coined the phrase clash my saber? Oh, my God. <laughs> she was going to. That was so I'm, good. Are none of us clashing our savers on this one? Sure to come on T Public soon. Yeah. As soon as I free one for Michelle. I oh let's let's cut back on the free shirts though. Huh? I'll, bu- I'll buy hers. How's that? All right, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think it's Anakin. Um, I mean, as opposed to what? Are we going to say Ray is the chosen one? No, I don't think Ray is the chosen one. I don't think that's even a part of the narrative for her. I think to some extent Luke is the chosen one. See, I feel like, and, and chosen one makes this idea kind of difficult, but I, I kind of feel like there's a chosen one for each generation, you know? And, and it's not so much like the, the one to end it all, um, but just the, the one that has the biggest influence. I don't know. The whole Profi- things. Yeah, prophecies in movies don't typically work out super great because of the way in which they strip agency from characters who would otherwise be really, really interesting. And I think that's one of the structural issues with Anakin's character is the whole chosen one mantle. Um, I think the Harry Potter universe suffers from that a little bit too, oh, but I just not completely. With not, that. I was going to say not to the same degree because there's a lot more at stake and a lot more at play. Um, that makes that a lot more of an interesting kind of thing. Um, hashtag Neville Longbottom. Um, yes, but I don't, I, I, I don't see any, any benefit or reason to question George Lucas on this one particular detail of the film which really doesn't have any bearing on what's going on at all and a prophecy misread could have been (sighs) or we could just stop using prophecies as as, like (laughs) storytelling writing yeah storytelling devices it's not compelling at all because 
then the main character has nothing to do except fulfill their destiny. It's like, that's not exciting because we all fulfill our destiny one way or the other. It's, it's when we choose what we're doing that makes it interesting and compelling. That's why Luke was an interesting character because he said, I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. There's nothing for me here. I want to come with you and all to Alderaan. I know I just split that in half and put it front to back, but whatever. You understand my point. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. No, I, I, I think... I think that's a good place to close it up. We actually all agree on something, so let's not push the envelope anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, we are still doing our Revenge of the Sith novel giveaway uh, that will be announced at the beginning of May, uh, right? Because we're in April. Yeah, that's what. When are we that recording happens. Rogue One? Oh man, that was going to be my question because because I I I have feelings about that movie. Yes, I've heard, I've heard. So, yes, so yes. that'll be our first episode in May. So yeah, that'll be where we will announce the Revenge of the Sith novelization. Uh, just go on to whatever podcatcher app you use and give us a rating and review. Shoot us an email uh, at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail dot com or Twitter at clashing sabers. Let us know that you did that, and you'll be entered into the contest. Uh, I was going to do a an update of our This Is Madness bracket, but I don't have our bracket in front of me. So, Drew, give your plugs. Go. Yeah, sure. The first thing I want to note, though, is um, I noticed in my podcast feed catcher app thing. I don't know how to, I don't know things like this. This is dumb. Um, but the app that I use for my podcast changed the feed. And now it's called The Clashing Sabers Podcast Network, and it changed all of my download information. So if for some reason you guys are not seeing latest episodes or you don't feel like you're catching up um, the way you should, check and make sure you're subscribed to the right channel. I think that's uh, something new. Um, Brandon's been monkeying around behind the, the scenes with things, and um, it's actually working pretty cool. So just as a... Uh, as a public service announcement, make sure you're, you're finding these things. Other than that, you can find me on the, the Facebook group, which is called um, a very specific name. It's long, and it's hard to remember. But if you look for the Clashing Saber Star Wars community uh, group on Facebook, that's usually where you can find me. I am not planning on being on Twitter until after Star Wars Celebration hits. And then once it comes, once we get all that information dumped, and I'll join back, and, and we can all make fun of things together. Uh, you can find me <laughs> at the Drew Brett. That's me on the Twitters. Lindsay, That's you're it. up. Awesome. Well, I'm taking a very opposite approach. I'll be at Celebration. I'll be covering everything. Um, you can find any updates there on Twitter, Miss Lindsay G, Ms Lindsay G, or on Instagram, Full Force Lindsay. And we're hoping to get uh, some some videos up on our YouTube channel as well. So stay tuned. For that, uh, to close out our This Is Madness bracket, we have four competitors, and here's how it stands after the first round is complete. We're to the Sweet 16 now, and I am at 65 points. Megan is at 50. Michael is at 60. And Adriana from Starships is at 60. And we're into the Sweet 16, so stay tuned for the next episode where we will update those scores. And, of course, you can always play along on the Facebook group. Until next time, Batch 8. There are points on this bracket thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm so confused. I make it up as we go along. Hi-ho. Lindsay, 
Say something. Hi-ho. <laughs> All right, that's how we're ending it. Bye, everybody. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it. It's ours. They made it. It's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.